Welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, the official podcast of Philly's Tootlands. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I'm the only person in the world slower than Wilson Ramos. That really was painful during the last series. Joining me later on the podcast is reviewing the Bruce Site co-expert, David Gasper. But first up, we're going to look back at the recent Philly series, uh, just like last time. The Nats managed to sneak ahead in the first two games and then drop the third again. A bit weird. They uh, they came back in the ninth again in one of those games, just like they did, obviously. They couldn't walk it off on the road, despite what some people may think, strangely. Uh, for player of the series in this one, I think Anthony Rendon was excellent yet again. He went five for 12, three runs, three RBI, two home runs, including the go-ahead uh, home run in the ninth on Tuesday off Pat Nishek, who hadn't given up a home run all season. Um, it was... Very interesting bullpen management by Gabe Kapler to leave Tommy Hunter in to start the ninth. Walked Bryce Harper, actually, who uh, took the walk off Hunter before they brought in Nishek. Um That was the weird one where they had, I think they only had Adam Morgan left at that point. And if it had gone to extras, something very, very weird would have happened. But um, I'll take the win. And then, obviously, that game ended in bizarre fashion when they pinch ran for Wilson Ramos on second base with Vince Velasquez and he left the base early and that was just bizarre. I did see a video after the game of Gabe Kapler, I wouldn't say ripping into Vince Velasquez, but he didn't exactly use uh, kind words or forgiving words for his picture and said that he shouldn't have been tagging up, um, which he really shouldn't have. Never make the last out at, well, it wasn't a third base, at second base, but you get get the idea when that doesn't matter that much. The difference between second and third with two outs is maybe there would be a close play at the plate. You don't know. You need the base hit regardless. Um, so yeah, it was very strange, but we'll take it. And then again, in the last game, they kind of slumped to a disappointing defeat. The big home run by uh, Carlos Santana off Gio Gonzalez, obviously. Grand Slam Geo was doing relatively okay, and it wasn't even a bad pitch to Santana, I don't think. It was just down and away. Um, Santana got all of it on a night where the ball was flying. So these things happen, uh, and it may well round off Geo's career with the Nets. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, it w- at this point, if the Nets do want to make the playoffs, they need to sweep and they just haven't done that series wins against the Phillies would have been nice back in May or June but in August if you want to make the playoffs from where they are you need to sweep I'm still of the opinion that I don't think they are going to make the playoffs they're gonna I don't know I don't know even if they'll rally they seem to like that 500 mark as some people keep the keep uh, pointing out they're heading for 69 and 69 which is a very nice record to have sort of you get the idea uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, you need the sweeps and you've got the Brewers, Cardinals or Brewers, Cubs and Cardinals coming in. Had they been a little bit closer, it would have been a nice chance, um, especially with some of the pitching matchups that the Nats and the Brewers have. You have a chance to sweep that. Um, 
but they just the Nats haven't managed it. The last sweep was the Diamondbacks way back in May or June, whenever they took a they took the four game sweep. I think it's just the way it is this season, I guess. Um, on the uh, on the Nats side again, we have Wilmer Defo, who was three for eleven, still playing pretty good defense at second base now that Daniel Murphy's in Chicago, and I'm really happy for Murphy and what he's doing over there. I think the Cubs are still undefeated since they traded for him. Uh, Obviously, uh, Daniel Murphy at Wrigley Field seems to be a recipe for success, and it, I'm surprised it took the Cubs this long to figure that out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think they've done the right thing, and they're going to give Will Modifo an extended run at the second base job. He he seems to do incredibly well as a starter, hitting about 270, 280, and then hitting around 200 as a bench bat. So giving him a long look there helps. And it's going to determine what they do in the off season. There's a few potentially overpriced free agents, such as DJ LeMahieu, Brian Dozier, uh, Ian Kinsler, maybe not Ian Kinsler being overpriced. He might be someone you could get in on a, a minor league deal potentially, but if he performs well, he's probably going to be the favorite to start the year at second base. Uh, and then pending what Carter Keyboom does, uh, he's going off to the Arizona fall league. We'll see if he plays second base there. I doubt it. I think they're going to keep him at shortstop, allow him to develop his bat first, and then kind of mix him in at second base to start the 2019 season, potentially. That kind of makes the most sense to me. Um, but yeah, Wilma Defoe still impressing. The average isn't there since Murphy left. I think it's about 230, 240. But he has been hitting for extra bases. He had a couple triples. He's hit a home run. He's got a couple of doubles. Um, so that OPS is nice and high, somewhere near 900, and that's what you want when he's making contact, he's doing damage. And that was probably one of the knocks against Defo is that he was seemingly a slap singles guy who had no power and he's proving everyone wrong right now. Off, off the field ish, we had uh, Mark Reynolds ejected for the second time on well, ejected twice on Saturday after. Arguing balls and strikes, that zone was pretty horrendous, but we're going to move on from that. And then he got ejected a second time for tossing his batting gloves at the umpire. Uh, I did uh, I did enjoy Sean Kelly's tweet about uh, now Mark Reynolds leads glove throwing in the stack cast era, which is uh, good to see. <laughs> he still has his good sense of humor about the whole situation, even if he is now in Oakland and lost his job with the Nats because of that. But, hey, someone had to uh, put some fire into the team, and it, it worked. They were behind then, came back to win it in the ninth. I'm not saying that was the sole reason. Um, I remember Thomas Boswell wrote an article about the Nats need more fire and they need more edgy guys. I don't know whether that was it. <laughs> it got uh, Ryan Zimmerman laughing uh, and now has been suitably mean by the internet, which... Uh, as you do, but hey, it worked. Maybe the umpire was thinking twice about some of those borderline calls and uh, the walk to Bryce, the Brendone home run. Who knows? Maybe it did affect them. Uh, Max also, Max Scherzer struggled against the Phillies. Yeah, again, Odubel Herrera went deep off, deep off him for the second time in two games, which is just bizarre. Of all hitters, you would think Max Scherzer could figure out it would be Odubel Herrera trying to offset his timing of his whole exaggerated motion. But, hey, Odubel Herrera's had success against him 
Max went five innings, three runs. That's pretty much your average major league start these days. Uh, but when Max does it, it's disappointing. Uh, next up, he faces the Brewers, who we've seen uh, in his career, he's had quite a bit quite a bit of success against them, 2.40 ERA in eight appearances. Uh, the near no-hitter back in 2015 that obviously preceded the uh, the Jose Tabata incident with the no-hitter. That's a, it's a painful way to remember it, but c'est la vie. Um, so hopefully Max can bounce back. He's He's been losing a bit of ground to Jacob deGrom and Aaron Nola in the Cy Young races. I think deGrom, especially his performance against the Cubs, kind of setting him apart, putting him uh, as the current front runner. I wouldn't say favourite. I mentioned it in my uh, my article about whether Max was uh, Cy Young favourite or not. I think he is because of the track record. Jacob deGrom is just approaching his career high in innings. Aaron Nola's about 10 innings above it now, so... They're both kind of going into the unknown a bit from this point forward in the season. Um, I think that's what makes Max a favourite. He's pitched well over 220 innings uh, in the last five seasons. So I think he's going to finish strong. He's got a few difficult outings. He'll have the Brewers, the Cardinals. Uh, and then I think he gets the Phillies again. Uh, <laughs> so just as I say, he, his schedule might be easing up. He gets a team that's beat up on him the last couple of times. But... I do think Max is still just about the favourite, like I said, because of the previous track record. Uh, on the subject of starting pitching, it was good to see Strasbourg bounce back. Six innings, two runs, uh, pretty solid. Again, it's kind of elevating his own, or it says a lot about his standard that six innings, two runs is good for Strasbourg. It's not um, not the usual Strasbourg, I guess. Uh the most important thing for me, other than the results, was his fastball sat kind of 93, 94 the whole game. Had a few 95 in there pretty consistently, and it didn't dip like it did in his last start when it dropped to 90 in the fourth inning. And uh, David Martinez tried to keep him in there to get him to go for one more inning. But, hey, it's positive, and, again, I, I agree with not shutting him down. You want to get him some time, but... If there is a concern, you've got some nice options there with Eric Fetty, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Joe Ross coming back. If there is something niggling at Strasbourg, you can get a longer look at one of the younger guys to see if they can slot in as the, the four or five starter next season. And then uh, in the bullpen, I've been a big champion of Greg Holland and he got the save on Tuesday after Justin Miller had an, another bumpy out and he had a a pretty clean ninth inning on Monday's game, uh, but in Tuesday's gave up a run. Greg Holden was there to clean up the mess and got out of it, and I think he should be the closer moving forward. You've lost Doolittle, who may be about a week away, if that. Um, you've lost Kelvin Herrera pretty much for the rest of the season. You're, you've got Ryan Madsen, who I don't know if you can even trust him right now. Um, after the whole Cubs incident, you want to leave, try and leave him in the eighth, I guess. Um, and gave up the home run to Reese Hoskins on his first pitch back. So I think Greg Holland might be the best choice for the ninth inning. And again, I tweeted uh, Pete Kurzer, Kurzel from Masson uh, about whether Greg Holland re-signing is realistic. And I think it's going to come down to, is Greg Holland comfortable here? Does he feel like this is a good spot to rebound, potentially? Maybe if the Nats offer him a deal for 2019 with a player or team kind of 
some kind of option for 2020 to give both of them a bit of flexibility, then that might be something that they he'll be interested in and he can come back and potentially be the sale man for Doolittle. And then if you get Greg Holland in this form, you've got a pretty good 8-9 combo. Um, Holland's not the pitcher he used to be, but he is still a dominant arm back there. We, aside from the Philly series, we have to touch on some of the uh, revocable trade waiver stuff that's been reported in the week. So Gio Gonzalez, Matt Wheaters have both cleared waivers. Uh, nobody claimed them. They can now be traded to anyone at any time, although it makes sense to try and trade them on August 31st just to uh, get them on a, a roster before postseason eligibility ends. I I can't remember if there's an exact time on uh, on Friday that it comes across, but look for some deals to be made. Uh, I talked about this in one of my articles about uh, five players who could be dealt, and it's going to come down to uh, how much salary are the Nats going to eat to make it worthwhile for a team to take a chance on them? So they've got to eat some salary and make sure it's only a, a minor prospect, kind of some uh, single-A reliever. The Nats seem to be very uh, very fond of them right now. Uh, and as well as uh, Gio and Wheaters clearing waivers, Ryan Madsen was claimed on waivers, uh, and it was reported that the LA Dodgers put in a claim it's still a bit vague as to whether they're the team that were um, awarded him or have exclusive exclusive trade negotiating rights with the Nats for Ryan Madsen. Uh, I fully expect him to be dealt on Friday at some point. I think um, the salary relief, if worse comes to worst, you can just dump the whole salary off to the Dodgers. Uh, the Nats are obviously around about that luxury tax threshold. I don't know the exact figures. Um, but it makes sense to try and do everything you can to get under that because when it comes to Bryce Harper in the offseason, you need to be under the luxury tax threshold to get a second round or a pick after the second round. If you're over the luxury tax threshold, you get a pick after the fourth round. So that's a that's a big difference if you think about um, the kind of players that that's took in those rounds. Uh, you've seen second round picks like Stevenson, who was pretty well regarded. Tim Kate is the latest example. Um, I think the fourth round pick might have been someone like Gage Canning, who um, I don't know. He's I've been really impressed. I've been really impressed with him personally, but you're getting further away and you're taking some shots on people. Whereas in the second round, you might still be able to get some of those high upside high school players who could sign for some first round type type money in the second round. Whereas when you're going down to the fourth round, you're looking at, or you're starting to look at your college seniors who don't have as much leverage in terms of going back to college, going to college if they're in high school. So having a second round pick will be um, reasonable value for Bryce compared to a fourth round pick. So you want to make sure you get under that luxury tax threshold to, um, to allow for that. So joining me on the podcast now to look ahead to the Nat series with the Brewers from reviewing the brew, David Gasper. How are you doing, David? Good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. Nats haven't lost today. Uh, that's a positive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you've had a interesting day with, or interesting last few days with the Brewers and Red series, which we'll probably touch on in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the Reds just rolled all over for the Cubs the week before. Then they come in, and the Brewers come into town, and 
all of a sudden they're scoring nine runs and 12 runs. And I, I was honestly going to be having a heart attack in, in those past couple games if they lost them. I mean, it was they're on the brink of disaster against a stellar dwelling team like the Reds. Yeah, it was uh, very strange. And I know the, the Nats had some trouble with the Reds. So we'll take a look at that series, actually. Um, in game one on Tuesday, Anthony DiSclefani limited the Brewers. Uh, and then the, the Brewers rallied a little too little too late, lost 9-7. Uh, Wednesday's game was the, the fun one that I'm going to touch on in a little bit. But the, in the end, the Brewers won, uh, won in extras and there were nine home runs in the game. And then more extra innings on Thursday afternoon and the Brewers dug it out. 2-1, but going back to that Wednesday game, for anyone who didn't see it, there was a big incident in the sixth inning with Michael Lorenzen squaring the bunt, seemingly pulling the bunt back, and then on the very next pitch, he hit a three-run home run, and I was a, I was a big fan of the backflip. I don't think you were. Um, no, make no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that was... Obviously a bunt attempt, and I think the umpire was just trying to protect Lorenzen too much or something. And I mean, everyone has those high and tight pitches when they're bunting, and it always counts as an attempt, except for that time for for some reason. And yeah, then the next pitch, like you could almost just tell it was coming. Like you knew he'd get he'd get a second chance, and sure enough, he goes. I think that's his third home run against the Brewers this season. I mean, it's it's ridiculous what he does, and. The umpires has seemingly been against the Brewers either that entire series or basically the whole season. Yeah, it was very strange. I think with with bunts, it has to be put pulled all the way back. So I think he was like halfway between. He was like he was falling down. Yeah, yeah. So he was like falling, and the bat was just kind of going with him. And I think the ball just kind of pushed the bat back into his body because it was coming in. And that, that's what made the ump think that he completely pulled it back, which I still disagree with, but at least yeah. they won. That's all that really matters. Yeah, I think he, I was listening to the, the Reds commentators on the commentary after, obviously, they were getting very excited about the home run. But they, I think everyone just assumed that he was going to be out for bunting strike three. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone was, was thinking. Then all of a sudden, it's like, why is he standing around home plate still? Like, at first, I thought he might be, like, getting ready to charge to the mound or something because it was a high and tight pitch. But all of a sudden, the umpires are gathering around, and none of them saw that it was a bunch attempt. And it's it's just a debacle. I mean, those, those umps, that entire series, were just off. I mean, that was just a terribly, terribly cold series by all those umpires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm probably going to move on from the guy who's going to steal the silver slugger away from Max Scherzer. But uh, someone I, <laughs> who I thought had a really good series, I know it's Christian Yelich, who's I think he's just caught fire since the All-Star break, basically. He's caught fire since he came to Milwaukee. I mean, this dude, I mean, six for six with the cycle, and plus the outfield assists, throwing out, um, I think it was Barnhart or somebody at home plate. And... He's literally just been such an amazing player. He's put himself into the MVP conversation. I mean, 26 home runs already on the season. Before this year, his career high was 21 homers, and it's not even September, and he's already at 26. So, I mean, he's just – he's been ridiculous. He's got, I believe, like a 14-15 game on base streak. Um, I mean, Christian Yelich is just – Clearly, far and away the best player on the Brewers right now, and he is incredibly hot. Yeah, 
how high expectations did you have coming into the season? I guess obviously it was a high price tag giving up the likes of uh, Lewis Brinson, Monte Harrison, I think was in that package as well yeah. uh, and somehow exceeded them. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just been great ever since leaving kind of the pitcher friendly Marlins park and comes into the very hitter friendly confines of, of Miller park. And I mean, I thought I had pretty good expectation though. I thought I could hit around 300 and, you know, maybe 20, 25 home runs on the season. I wasn't expecting him to jump all the way up to, 26 with a month to, with a month to go um but yeah he's he's basically been carrying this team for the past month or so and he's had several i believe he's had two or three already like 10 plus game hitting streaks and it, it, as soon as he loses one he just starts another one right after yeah we like you say we got a we got a good glimpse in when he was with miami and like you say high average hit, you didn't expect that much power and just taking it to another level and kind of coming into the same outfield as him. It's interesting that you said by far and away, I think Lorenzo Kane has been an excellent addition too. 309, 843 OPS. And I noticed he's, I think he's third in the national league in defensive rating on Fangraph. So talk about Lorenzo Kane a little bit. Yeah, Lorenzo, I mean, he's, he's been great as well. And, and he's got gold glove defense out, out there in center field, just runs down everything and, and yeah, I mean, he, he's an on-base machine. He's hitting over 300 as well. He doesn't have quite the power that um, Yelich has, but he did hit a home run today, although it was kind of a great American ballpark home run. Like, it just barely scraped off the top of the wall. But, but I mean, that, that was only his 10th home run of the season. And, I mean, he's been a, a tremendous addition, addition for sure, but he hasn't been able to carry the team like Yelich has. I mean, he, he's kind of more of a, more of a table setter, and he gets on base for Yelich basically to drive him in. And, but both of those guys have really been tremendous in, in the outfield for Milwaukee this year. Mm. Who's one uh, under the radar name that we should keep an eye on it from a hitting perspective, I guess? Um, as far as under the radar, I would, I would probably say Manny Pena. Uh, I don't know if, if he'll play in this series because he did get hit with a pitch. The other day, up in the face, he had a busted lip, required a couple stitches. Um, but he's been hot at the plate over the past month. He's been able to raise his batting average from 225 to about 255 right now. So he's been on a hot streak for sure. And if he's in that series, he'll be able to – he should be able to, to get on base off and out of the bottom part of the lineup. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of his. He's, he's always seemed to have the bat. I don't know if the glove's quite – quite there with him yet, but uh, uh, the Nats definitely missed some off offensive production from the catcher position this year. Yeah, and the Brewers were kind of missing it for like the first half of the season, but lately, Pena and, and Eric Kratz really have kind of been coming on strong in the, in the second half, and they've both been hitting pretty well and coming up in some pretty clutch situations over the past month or so. Is Eric Kratz a better hitter or pitcher? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, if he could throw that knuckleball consistently, I, I'd say he might be a better pitcher. But, I mean, he's he's a pretty good catcher, you know, good veteran presence. Um, and, you know, he's just been able to to knock some balls knock some balls around and, like, get some get some RBIs. He had a very clutch insurance run in that game on Wednesday night with the uh, single. They tried to move into a double. But that scored that extra run, which was big because the next inning was a 
leadoff home run for for the Reds, and that one run lead was luckily able to hold up. Yeah, I've um, I've always thought that the bullpen was one of the Brewers' strength. They've had Josh Hader, even though he's looked a, a little bit more hittable lately. Five eleven ERA over the last thirty days. Uh, they also sent Corey Niebel down pretty recently, um, and they've got Jeremy Jeffress, who I didn't realize he was quite as uh, switched on. I'll I'll put it that way uh, as he has been this season. I remember him foaming at the mouth when he struck out Soto in that huge bat in our first series this season. Oh yeah, I mean Jeffress Jeffress has been amazing this season, and he's he's one of those guys who really thrives with just kind of one team and. Just in a Brewers uniform, Jeremy Jeffers is something else. I mean, you put him with any other team, he's not going to be all that effective. There's just some sort of comfort level with Milwaukee, and Jeffers has just been able to thrive uh, with the Brewers. And with the other struggles, I mean, Corey Knable, the Brewers have never really been able to hold on to closers, you know, keep them good for multiple seasons. They always kind of have one-year wonders. And Knable's struggles have really kind of put the team back. He hasn't been the same since his hamstring injury back in April. And his curveball, which is, when it's on, it's one of the most beautiful curveballs I've ever seen. I mean, it's almost Clayton Kershaw-level curveball. But he just hasn't been able to command it this season. And he's either leaving it across the middle of the plate or he just can't throw it for strikes. And it's made him pretty hittable, and that just leaves – his fastball, which, while it's fast, it's not, you know, overpowering. It's not an Aroldis Chapman level fastball. It's, you know, mid-90s, and it's fairly straight for the most part. And when he when he's stuck throwing that pitch, he becomes very hittable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, like I mentioned at the start, Josh Hader is – I did notice it was that 5.11 ERA, but that – batting average against is still below 200. Has it just been bad luck recently for him? Well, Josh Hader really hasn't pitched that much lately. Uh, he went over over a week between outings one time, and he's really they've really kind of toned down his usage in the month of August here, and it might have affected his on-field performance when he finally does get back out there. And I think a lot of it, that high ERA go back, goes back to – Wednesday night because he allowed four runs and I think only one inning and he just didn't have his best stuff. And it just, it's really kind of bumped him up lately. But yeah, I mean, he's becoming more hittable and now that more teams around the league have been able to see him and they kind of know what he's got. That's, that's probably going to happen. It's just a matter of adjustment for hater. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how much we see in this series, I guess, especially with some of the, uh, the Nats power lefties, but on the flip side of the bullpen, the starting rotation has been not great for the Brewers. Um, no. And there have been trade talks in the in the week, and there are also trade talks at the trade deadline that the the Brewers might be after Nats starter Gio Gonzalez. Do you see that as a realistic option? Obviously, at this point, he's not going to cost a lot. Yeah, he's he's not going to cost very much, but I don't think he's a very realistic option right now. I mean, yeah, he's a lefty, which the Brewers could use him. Mean, they have Wade Miley in their rotation for however much longer he's going to be effective. Had a great start today, but I still don't believe he's going to be that effective down down the stretch. But, yeah, I, I really just don't see David Stearns going hard after Gio Gonzalez. I mean, he's really struggled 
in the month of August. I mean, he's had those those couple good starts, you know, seven innings, one run. But he's got also a couple of stinkers, obviously, mixed in there. So, yeah, Gio Gonzalez is I, – I, I just don't think it's going to work with the way Gonzalez has pitched this year. Yeah, I think that's – I think the only thing that makes it pretty appealing is, like you say, the left-hander element. Could he take over for Wayne Miley is actually the – the one left hand in the in the rotation, and uh, for me, I think he would be a better fit going to Oakland or Seattle in kind of pitcher friendly parks because he's given up quite a lot of home runs lately. Uh, and you probably know and better Miller than Park that. Is not the yeah. best place for that. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Miller Park is uh, not pitcher friendly. I'll <laughs> I'll say that. Nah. Uh, uh, so I mean, but I mean, Wade Miley's—he's still been pitching good for, for right now. So they're not exactly looking to replace him just yet. Yeah, but uh, it's <laughs> it's a big gamble on Wade Miley pitching to a under three ERA for the rest of the season. A very very <laughs> big gamble, and one that I don't think they're going to win. Uh, which Nats are you particularly looking forward to? Maybe pick out uh, one big. Big name and one under the radar name that you particularly like on the Nats. Well, uh, one obvious name that I like is Max Scherzer. Uh, is he available? Could you could you trade him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll well, take that guy. We've had Yankee fans in our mentions demanding him for some small uh, small package of prospects. Oh yeah, they, they don't. Let me guess. They don't want to give up Andahar or Glaber Torres at all. It's like, yeah, we'll throw you Clint Frazier and. And that'll be it for for Max Scherzer. Yeah. Yeah. They I the most bizarre thing about Yankees fans as we go off on a deep tangent is how much they value Brandon Drury. I never quite got that. Yeah. I mean they're I mean, I remember seeing some Yankees fans on Twitter when there was like I think this was like over the off season and there were these like rumors that the Brewers might trade Travis Shaw. And these Yankees fans are like, can Travis Shaw even play third base? I'm like, well, he's an everyday third baseman. So, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, Yankees fans are weird. So let's, uh, let's move on from that. Uh, but, yeah, you'll see Max Scherzer on Sunday. Uh, oh, we will? Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> uh, is... uh, so can you throw one of your, like, uh, younger, newer guys that's, like, not as good? Because, I mean – yeah, I think I mean, you know. Your problem, basically punted the season, right? Your problem here is you face Roark, Strasburg, and Scherzer. In this oh season. man, I thought there's um like Jeffrey Rodriguez or some. Like, can't you throw that guy? Scherzer, <laughs> Strasburg. I mean, we we just had a tough series with the Reds. You know, this is this is not going to be easy. Things you never thought you'd say three months ago. Tough series with the Reds. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I wouldn't even think I would say three days ago. I mean, this is – it's ridiculous. But, I mean, the Reds just rolled over and got themselves swept by the Cubs. And, I don't know, I mean, if you guys could, like, sweep the Cubs when you face them the next week, that would be awesome. Because I don't, I don't think anyone wants to see the Cubs win anything again. So, I'm particularly bitter about the Cubs after I went to that uh... – that series at Wrigley Field, and that's the, the last we're going to say of that. Uh, for me, I'm definitely watching Tanner Roark on Friday. Uh, thankfully, it was you guys who turned him around. Uh, that oh, was great. Sort of a You're magical... welcome, I guess. <laughs> he had a, he's had a nice 
think it's six game run, but against the Brewers, he went eight innings, three hits, no runs, 11 strikeouts, one walk. And since then, a 1 6 1 ERA. So we have you to thank for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the Brewers got Yuli's Chessine that night, and he's really been their best starting pitcher uh, this season. So that's, that's really going to be a good matchup. But the other two after, I mean, Chase Anderson and, and Steven Strasburg. Chase Anderson has his own issues with home runs this year. He's allowed 28. He's an extreme fly ball pitcher, and he pitches in Miller Park. So he obviously has a lot of issues with that. But, yeah, so I think Friday is probably the Brewers' best chance of winning a game in this series. I think for for me, one particular name that I want to watch out for is with rosters expanding on Saturday. Uh, I wonder if they're going to call up top prospect Victor Robles. I don't know if the Brewers have anyone on that um, on that kind of radar, but I'm really excited to see Robles. Obviously, season pretty much over, barring probably a sweep of the Brewers and winning several against the Cubs and Cardinals. Um, I really want to see if he can handle center field. But like I said, do the Brewers have any top prospects that you're interested to see? Oh, uh, as far as what's coming up, I don't think they're going to have any any big prospects. I mean, the ones that are already there, like, I mean, Freddie Peralta, he just got sent down today, but he's going to be coming back up. But he's going to have to wait another 10 days for that. Corbin Burns is already in the Brewers bullpen. Um Keston Hira is the Brewers' top prospect. He's he's like a top 20 prospect in baseball, but I don't think he's getting called up. He's not on the 40-man roster. He's still down in double-A. Um, so I don't think they're going to be calling him up. They already have a log jam in the middle infield anyways. So they don't need another one of those guys. They already have three billion second basemen or even non-second basemen that they're just putting there. But yeah, as far as prospects, I mean – Kind of their big name guys are already up in in Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. Yeah, I know. I know that Corbin Burns has been particularly interesting. I know they've been adamant that he's not going to become another Josh Hader. Yeah, they said 100% he's going to be in the starting rotation next year, um, but for the rest of this season, he's going to be pitching out of the bullpen. Even though I'd kind of like to see Corbin Burns starting in place of Junior Guerra down the stretch because Junior Guerra has just been garbage with a capital G. I mean, it's been a mess to watch that guy pitch. And, uh, oh, yeah, Junior Guerra is facing Max Scherz. That would be cr- pretty close. Oh, great. Uh, the Brewers are going to lose that one. <laughs> uh, so we're going to look ahead to each matchup individually. So first off on Friday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern, Tanner Ark faces Julie Chassin. Tanner Ark, 8-13, 3-9-5 ERA. Chassin, 13-5 with a... 361 ERA, and uh, are you championing the win stat given how many Chassin's got? Yeah, I, I don't really focus on the on the win loss record anymore because it's it's such a lucky stat. I mean, I I remember last year it was, it was basically the last straw. Jimmy Nelson was pitching off against Clayton Kershaw, and he had the game won until the bullpen blew it in the ninth inning. So he ended up getting a no decision after going like eight innings of shutout baseball against the Dodgers. And after that, I'm just like, I'm done with win-loss records. But, I mean, Yolis Chessin, he's really been the best pitcher that, that the Brewers have had. And they're 19-9 and nine in, in games that he's started this year. And he's he's really been their their top guy. And he's going to be the one, if they make the wild-card game, that, that's going to get that start. He's 
He's been their number one, their, their most consistent starter, which is something I didn't think I would say when the, when the season started. But this is this is the reality of the Brewers' starting rotation right now. Yeah, I guess with with the offensive Brewers, we've got with Yelich, Kane, uh, the stacked middle infield, depending on who's playing. You just need that guy who's going to go out and give you six innings, three earned runs, give you a nice, solid quality start every single time. Yeah, and that's basically been Chassin, and he's really been the only one that's been able to do that. Junior Guerra hasn't, Chase Anderson. He's He's been able to limit the damage for the most part, but he's still got an ERA over four. I mean, Freddie Peralta's 22 years old. He's kind of inconsistent, and Wade Miley seems to be the Brewers' second-best starting pitcher right now, which is a very dangerous and terrible thought. <laughs> yeah, um... Oh, is that the, the rotation summing? Uh, you sure you don't want Gio Gonzalez? We'll sell him to you for a bucket of balls or something. I mean, Gio Gonzalez really hasn't been that much better than Junior Guerra over the past month. I mean, they both allowed like five-plus runs in four of their last seven starts. I mean, it's really not even much of an improvement. <laughs> uh, speaking of improvement, Tanaroa, like we talked about earlier, um, had six starts, one six one ERA, thirty six strikeouts to five walks, two oh four average. So, even though, like you say, it might be the Brewers' best chance at a win, I don't know. I find it tough to go against Tanner Ark in the form that he's been in. Uh, what are you predicting for this game? Well, um, since I like to be on the positive side of the Brewers, I think that I think that they can I think that they can win it for sure. If only for the sake of that's their best chance of winning a single game in a series based on the fact that they have to face Strasburg and, and Scherzer after that. So, and I mean, coming off the the long win on Wednesday night against the Reds and another long win against, against them on Thursday, you know, maybe they've been building up some momentum and they're finally starting to get on a, on a run on a hot streak here. And, and maybe it's doable, but the pitching matchups, it's Friday's probably their best bet. Yeah, I think um, Max Scherzer v. Junior Guerra on Sunday might be one that they have to, I wouldn't say write off necessarily. Max Scherzer has had a, a knack of pitching incredibly well and still losing some games lately. But Friday and Saturday are definitely the ones to target for the Brewers. And it, it does, I guess, series like this just happen to fall the wrong way sometimes. Yeah, I mean it's, I mean it's baseball. I mean anything can happen in any given game, and that's that's kind of the beauty of it. But it's also kind of the the most the most frustrating part about it too. On mm. um, so on Saturday, seven oh five p.m. Eastern, Steven Strasburg against Chase Anderson. Strasburg only seven and seven with a four one five ERA. Chase Anderson nine and seven with a. 404 ERA. I did notice that Anderson had a 297 ERA on the road compared to 501 at home. Is that the the Miller Park effect? Probably. Um, and it's, I mean, for the past month, he, I believe that Chase Anderson has had five starts and he's allowed nine home runs over the over his past five starts. So it's it's been a struggle for him. And, and yeah, it makes sense for. Anderson to pitch better on the road because he's a fly ball pitcher, you know, a very extreme fly ball pitcher. And is that a very inflated home run fly ball ratio this year? And I think that's, that's been a part of it. 
but yeah, so getting him on the road might be the Brewers' best chance for getting a good start out of him. Mm. Yeah, and then Steven Strasburg, on the other hand, struggled in his first start back, uh, but then against the Phillies, six innings, five hits, two earned, five strikeouts, back up to 95 miles an hour where we've seen him before. But I think for me, I hate predicting sweeps for the Nats because they always go horribly wrong after I do that. So I think this is the one that I'm going to pick the Brewers well, in. Um, predict it. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Brewers and uh, believe in that Chase Anderson road ERA. Yeah. That, so are you going with the, the Nats based on your earlier pessimism? Well, I mean, that's – I don't know if I really want to predict that one because, <laughs> I mean, it's – I mean, Strasburg apparently has been having, you know, that, that great of a season as as we're used to seeing him have. So maybe the Brewers can get lucky, and if they can get on a run, maybe maybe jump on Strasburg early with, with that offense with Kane, Yelich. Travis Shaw, Ryan Braun, Jesus Aguilar, those guys at the top, maybe they'll be able to get something going and, and try to hold a lead. Yeah, I think it, with Strasburg, it's usually um, kind of when it rains, it pours. When he gives up a few hits, he starts to give up more, and it just kind of snowballs, but then the rest of the, rest of the start, he's shutting people down. Um, yeah, it's not an easy lineup to get through, so it's kind of the lineup that would uh, play towards that snowballing, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, and then last off on Sunday, 1.35 p.m. Eastern, Max Scherzer against Junior Guerra. Max Scherzer, 16-6 and six with a 2-2-2 ERA. Junior Guerra, 6-9 and nine with a 4.09 ERA. Uh, and to make things even worse, Guerra has a 7.03 ERA in his last five starts and even six earned runs, so it could have been even worse for him. Yeah, I mean, Guerra's just been... Very, very frustrating to watch over, over the past month. And and Scherzer, every time I see highlights, he's always striking somebody out or he's having some sort of dominant inning. So it's, yeah, that's not going to be an easy one for, for the Brewers. But since that is a day game, uh, they've been having a lot better luck recently during day, ga- day games ever since they started sending Stephen Vogt out there to send up the lineup card to the umpires. He's a... He was going to be the backup catcher this year before he injured his shoulder in, in spring training and he's out for the season. And like they were having terrible luck with day games, like all season long. And then they started sending him up to give the lineup card to the umpires before the game. And ever since then, they're undefeated in day games. So you never know what, what can happen. That's bizarre. Are they going to send him out to uh, take the lineup out for the wild card game then? I mean, they're going to send him up there to, to take out the lineup card every single day game. I'm, I'm pretty sure as long as it works. I mean, I mean, he's been staying involved with the team, even though he's been out all season long. So, but I mean, he's, he's a great clubhouse guy. I mean, really wonderful guy to have around and really kind of a team leader, even though he's not playing at all. So just, just keeping him around and, and having him do something will, would be just, it's great for the team. Yeah, I was a, I was definitely a big fan of his in Oakland. He's a, he's a great guy off the field. Uh, and on Max Scherzer, two four zero ERA in eight appearances against the Brewers. And the memory that sticks out to me, I don't know if you remember it quite so fondly, when he had his near no hitter against the Brewers back in 2015. I think Carlos Gomez got the only, uh, the only hit in that game. Yeah, and it was just like barely over the shortstop's head or something, and. 
Yeah, he was he was really close. And then he went out and like threw a no hitter in his next start or something, and he had like the most incredible three start stretch like ever. Yeah, that was that was an in- interesting time. But I mean, I almost kind of liked it because the Brewers were rebuilding at the time, so nothing was really expected of them. So it was just it, it's just cool to watch a, a pitcher like that just at his best. Yeah, it was uh, it was the Pirates. He he took a perfect game through eight and two thirds, and then uh, Jose Taber leaned into a pitch in that one and prevented the perfect game. Not that I'm bitter. Yeah, right? yeah no one likes that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've got Junior Guerra locking this one down, then, have you? Um, if I'm being positive, sure. Why not? Uh, <laughs> if I'm being realistic, not really. No. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's. Uh, I've only predicted against Max once this season, and he won. So uh, I think I'm going to predict Max to win this one pretty comfortably. Hopefully, um, like I said, maybe the Brewers do in some way burn up their bullpen in the first game to try and make the most out of those, and uh, like I said, not write it off, but not put all their eggs into this basket. Yeah, it's. It's, it's going to be a tough series for sure. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up our Brewers Series preview. I want to say thanks to David for joining us on the podcast. So where can our listeners find you? Yep. Um, thanks for having me on, man. It was it was a lot of fun, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a pretty good series coming up. Hopefully the Brewers will come out on top, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got uh, – I like the posit- positivity through gritted teeth. That you've got yeah um that that happens when you're a brewers fan you know that's you try to be positive but you're always just waiting to get let down <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I mean i don't need to you know bring up the the past like five years or something for, i mean you guys you know what i'm talking about with with the nlds the past five years and everything else but I don't want to like pour salt in the wound here because I mean the Brewers really haven't been much better, but but yeah, yeah I it's the, I think the NLDS is a good time to 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 wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll see my way out now. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So again, I want to say thanks to David for joining us to help uh, preview the Brewers series. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Like we talked about, there are some. Uh, interesting pitching matchups and they do line up quite favorably for the Nats but as we've seen this season that doesn't guarantee success for the team remember to check out some of our content on site this week I looked at six prospects who could be coming up in the next week or so as the minor league season winds down and uh, what kind of impact what do they have to win or lose in this month and our newest contributor Tyler wrote about how uh, he doesn't want to see Mark Reynolds at second base I think even in a competitive situation, you don't want to see Mark Reynolds at second base. But moving forward, you want to see Will Modifo there for the, the reasons I mentioned right back at the start of the podcast. You want to see what he can do as an everyday starter to determine what you're going to do in the offseason. Are you going to allow Will Modifo to be the favorite? Maybe have Defoe and Kendrick, Defoe and some other veteran that you're going to bring in. So I think it's really important not to let Mark Reynolds play second base kind of only as a emergency of emergencies if Defoe gets injured for example remember to follow us on twitter at district on deck give us a like on facebook district on deck 
You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spreaker, where you can get all our episodes downloaded automatically for you to listen to. The podcast will be back over the weekend, and that's faced the Cubs again for the first time since, uh, well, you know exactly when that was. I don't need to repeat it for anyone. So we'll see you then.